When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. George Bailey seems to be separate from history, if I think about it. I mean, it could have been at any time, you might say. You know, it's like those guys, they're all sort of every man and, and every man, but a, but a very special every man. And, and indeed, that's who he is in this instance. You're hearing Harvey Kay, an historian and professor emeritus of democracy and justice studies at the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. In the 90s, there was this greatest generation fascination. Well, I came here on the 40th anniversary and began to meet the veterans and realized we had not heard their stories once the war ended. Who were they? What do they become? Brokaw, the film Saving Private Ryan, it was huge. And I thought, well, it's, I had no trouble with the idea that they had beaten fascism. But I thought on the right, they were trying to hijack the whole thing as a really hype the patriotism and sacrifices of a generation, which were all true. But they were leaving out entirely just how progressive the generation was with FDR as their leader. But I said, this is bullshit. And I I knew what my father had fought for. So I had decided that 
it was important for me to talk about the, the four freedoms as the ethos of a generation for all of its faults and failings. And when I told my editor this, he said, somewhere I hear, I actually hung his letter up somewhere because it was so, here, yeah, I'm gonna, here. Okay. My editor said, you know, I keep thinking, Four freedoms, greatest generation, American values, how we seem proudest and most nostalgic for freedoms, a generation and values we've seemingly abandoned, if not largely undervalued. And then it, the best sentence was, how the fuck did that happen? And that became our, th that by the way, became an underlying theme to the book. What the fuck happened? Can't you come out tonight? Can't you come out tonight? Can't you come out tonight? Buffalo gals, can't you come out tonight? And dance by the light. Oh, no, no. George Bailey, I'm lucky to the day I die. George Bailey, every Christmas Eve you make me cry. Oh, George. Suppose you've decided what you want to do when you get out of college. Oh, well, you know what I've always talked about. Build things, design new buildings, plan modern cities. Hmm. All that stuff I've been talking about. Still after that first million before you're 30, huh? No, I'll sell half that in cash. <laughs> As you watch Wonderful Life each year, does it ever strike you how different the values of people you see on the screen seem from the Americans who surround you today? Yes, it's a movie, but it was based on something real. What became of so many people who were once like George Bailey? And what kind of people have replaced them? What were the catalysts for this change? Who deserves the credit or the blame? And what has been the effect? It's a story of parents and children, of transformation, of generations. This is a pickle, George. This is a pickle. All right, now what happened? How did it start? Well, how does a thing like this ever start? All I know is the bank called a loan. When? About an hour ago, I handled all, all our cash. All of it? Every cent of it, and still was less than we owed. Holy mackerel! And then I got scared, George, and closed the doors. I. 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 I the whole town's gone crazy. Yeah, uh, hello? George, it's Potter. That's the nature of that generation, right? They are facing some dark dark circumstances from 1929 to 1945, right? That is an incredible amount of time. That's 16 years of nonstop sacrifice, work, despair, crushed hopes, uh, you know, the lack of, ac um, uh, the, the economic despair, the, the rise of fascism, the draft, the war, the, you know, all of that just grinds on for so long. It is beyond imagination, I think, for us today to think about the kind of crucible that that generation was forged in. This is Jefferson Cowie, historian, author, and film buff. You know, this is a dark-ass movie. You can see people flipping either direction, right? They're in struggles with their very nature of their souls. Get me back. I don't care what happens to me. Get me back to my wife and kids. Help me, Clarence, please. 
Please. I want to live again. I want to live again. I want to live again. Please, God, let me live again. The movie, for me, as an historian, captures both those vectors of a kind of unwanted world. And, and it's the George Bailey's of the world holding hands with each other that are sort of resisting, trying to rebuild from one and resisting another and, you know, bringing immigrants in and accepting them as part of the family of, uh, in, in this, in this small town. And, and then, you know, you got, you know, Potter basically just trying to nakedly make a buck. And that's the part what really pulls on my heartstrings. It's, it's, it's a community coming together to resist becoming Pottersville. Think about the uh, Pottersville as being what America would have been like had it not been for, for the GI generation. I mean, that was their worst fear, right, of what America would end up being. Neil Howe, historian and author, specializes in examining different generations and how they drive culture. As some of his tougher critics have accused his approach to analyzing history as being pseudoscience. Um, but from a storytelling point of view, it's rather useful. He's also the guy who coined the term millennials, <laughs> but don't hold that against him. When we look at these very powerful generations, what we call in, in our terminology, what we call the, um, the, the hero versus the prophet archetype. Uh, George George Bailey's generation being the hero archetype, obviously, and the boomers who came after them, or Peter Bailey's generation who came before them, being more the prophet archetype, much more comfortable with symbols, values, and looking at the interior, finding out you know how how the new world ought to be oriented, which direction it should go, rather than really focusing on how you can actually build a world like that. And by 1929 and the Great Crash and going into the 1930s and the New Deal, this became the new older generation, right? The, 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 they were entering elderhood now, along with FDR and, and you know, Einstein and, and George Marshall. And, and we, we think about the, the so-called wise old men of World War II. That was the crew. And that would have been Peter Bailey, right? These were, these were the old people who had a tremendous sense of decency and morality about what they were doing. Did you put any real pressure on these people of yours to pay those mortgages? Time's up bad, Mr. Potter. A lot of these people are out of way. Well, foreclosed. I can't do that. These families have children. They're not my children. But they're somebody's children, Mr. Potter. Are you running a business or a charity ward? Well, all right. Not with my money. Mr. Potter, what makes you such a hard-skulled character? You have no family, no children. You can't begin to spend all the money you've got. Oh, I suppose I should give it to miserable failures like you and that idiot brother of yours to spend for me. He's not a failure. You George, can't say George. that about my father. George, You're George. not. You're the biggest man in town. Run along. Bigger than him. Run along. They really him. spent a lot of time instilling this high idealism in their kids, right? And making sure that their kids lived up to these high ideals. Interestingly, the GI generation during the 1930s, you know, they're very close to their parents. Neil calls them the GI generation, Americans born between 1901 and 1927. You probably know them by their more famous name, 
the greatest generation. One of the reasons they're so close to their parents is because during the Great Depression, they were living with their parents well into their 20s and 30s because there weren't any new homes being built in America. So the period of multi-generational living, back then they were living together in these old huge Victorian houses, right, that were built, you know, just before the turn of the century. Of course, it's just a hope, but uh, you wouldn't consider coming back to the building alone, would you? No, not Pop. I, I couldn't. I, uh, I couldn't face being cooped up for the rest of my life in a shabby little office. The, no, I'm, I'm sorry, Pop. I didn't mean that. I, but I, it, it's this business of nickels and dimes and spending all your life trying to figure out how to save three cents and like the pipe. I go crazy. I, I want to do something big and something important. You know, George. Yes, yes. You're right, son. You see what I mean, don't you, Pop? This town is no place for any man unless he's willing to crawl to Potter. Now, you've got talent, son. I've seen it. You get yourself an education and get out of here. Pop, you want a shock? I think you're a great guy. So you had the older generation of order givers who had the great vision and the younger generation of builders who's saying, you know what, we're going to be the scientists and engineers they were exactly like George Bailey. They wanted to go and build big things. I'm going to build things. I'm going to build airfields. I'm going to build skyscrapers 100 stories high. I'm going to build bridges a mile long. But the, the GI generation is full of people like that. When we talk about George Bailey's generation and its achievements, it wasn't just winning World War II. It was taking us out of the Depression. It was building, you know, all of the, uh, uh, the, 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 the CCC and, you know, what? Uh, uh, NWA projects. I mean, uh, the the electrifying America and building eventually the, the 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 dams and the harbors and eventually the interstate highways, the miracle vaccines, the the uh, and and finally the generation that in 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 midlife and entering old age took us to the moon. Uh, it's the generation, by the way, that that later in life was responsible for defeating the Soviet Union. This is a generation with an enormous civic imprint. And all because a few starry-eyed dreamers like Peter Bailey stir them up and fill their head with a lot of impossible ideas. Hold on, Mr. Potter. Come on. Now, you're right when you say my father was no businessman. I know that. Why he ever started this cheap penny-ante building alone, I'll never know. But he didn't save enough money to send Harry to school, let alone me. But he did help a few people get out of your slums, Mr. Potter. And what's wrong with that? That, that was a fabulous line. I loved it. That is the most telling line in the whole fucking movie. The speech is unbelievably beautiful in a very direct political sense. It's just a classic scene. Keep in mind, I worked on Wall Street. I worked for Lloyds Bank International. And at a certain point, I had to decide, money? Or do I really want to go do a PhD? And I chose the PhD. Harvey Kay wrote several books about Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the president over much of George Bailey's young adulthood. Most called him FDR. It's the summer of 1928 when George delivers his speech in defense of his recently departed father, convincing the board of directors to save the building and loan, and inspiring millions more like you every year thereafter, thanks to the movie Wonderful Life. Shortly after George's speech that October, FDR begins traveling all over George's home state of New York, running for governor. He wins... And four years later, he wins again, becoming President Roosevelt. 
Don't look now, but there's something funny going on over there at the bank, George. I've never really seen one, but that's got all the earmarks of being a run. Now, we, we can get through this thing, all right? We, we've got to stick together, though. We've got to have faith in each other. That bank run really happened in George's universe and yours, part of a month-long run during Herbert Hoover's final days in office. Weeks later, FDR, now at the White House, announces a bank holiday and turns to the radio to ask Americans to have faith. More than half who are holding their cash return it to the bank within two weeks. And the largest ever one-day percentage price increase on Wall Street follows. It's FDR, ultimately, not George, that saves the building and loan. We had to struggle with the old enemies of peace, business and financial monopoly, speculation, reckless banking, class antagonism, sectionalism, war profiteering. They had begun to consider the government of the United States as a mere appendage to their own affairs. Harvey sees much in George's speeches to Potter that point to inspiration from those of FDR. You're hearing one of them in 1936, before a crowd in New York City's Madison Square Garden. And we know now that government by organized money is just as dangerous as government by organized mob. Never before in all our history have these forces been so united against one candidate as they stand today. They are unanimous in their hate for me, and I welcome their hatred. Hollywood director Frank Capra was spotted in Washington, D.C., said to be scouting locations for his upcoming movie. I think after seeing FDR in Washington, uh, human to human, face to face, uh, he came away realizing that this was a politician with uh, this kind of rare level of uh, conviction and charisma um, that really impressed him. Meet Mark Harris, who became intimately familiar with the story of Wonderful Life director Frank Capra while writing his book, Five Came Back, about Frank's and four other Hollywood directors' experiences in the World War. Uh, you'll hear more from Mark in a future episode. It was during his research that he learned of a trip to America's capital by Frank during pre-production on another of his movies destined to become a classic. Uh, also starring Jimmy Stewart, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Uh, Frank's visit takes place two years after the FDR speech you just heard in 1938, while writer Philip Van Doren Stern is dreaming up the premise of Wonderful Life. While there, he attends a press conference inside the Oval Office. There, Frank Capra meets Franklin Roosevelt and experiences a mysterious conversion of sorts. And he comes back, I mean, he's a Republican, and I, I don't know that he ever voted for Roosevelt, but he comes back from that trip to Washington deeply swayed as much by Roosevelt's personal charisma and his rhetorical power as by um, 
the specific ideas. I mean, Roosevelt spoke in really good versus evil terms that were absolutely up Capra's alley. It was it was a kind of thinking about the West that he um, related to very very closely, and also he was just. Uh, and this is probably the Hollywood side of him. Um, he was a sucker for personal magnetism. You know, he he knew he knew what a star looked like, um, and and what I mean, just as he understood what movies could do to rouse a great number of people to uh, emotion and and fervor. Well, there is nothing mysterious about the foundations of a healthy and strong democracy, the basic things expected by our people of their political and economic systems are simple. You're hearing FDR's State of the Union before the Congress, 1941. As Americans listen to their radios, FDR seeks to provide some meaning for the fight against far right-wing fascists overseas that he believes they are about to embark on, as well as the fight for the health of working people that they had already been waging for many years. His visionary goals become known as the Four Freedoms. They are equality of opportunity for youth and for others. Jobs for those who can work. Security for those who need it. The ending of special privilege for the few. The preservation of civil liberties for all. The enjoyment, the enjoyment of the fruits of scientific progress in a wider and constantly rising standard of living. Every time he gives one of these major speeches, he feels empowered by the very folks that he's that he has helped empower. Harvey again. And when, and and so he believed when he spoke in those radical terms for freedoms, economic bill of rights, that he wasn't speaking his own mind, that he was putting into words American aspirations. And in fact, when he delivered that speech, I'm convinced he felt that he was articulating the Declaration of Independence, the Gettysburg Address, I, you name it. And that was all, this was the new Gettysburg Address. In the future days, which we seek to make secure, we look forward to a world founded upon four essential human freedoms. The first, is freedom of speech and expression everywhere in the world. The second is freedom of every person to worship God in his own way everywhere in the world. The third is freedom from want, which translated into world terms means economic understandings which will secure to every nation a healthy peacetime life for its inhabitants everywhere in the world. The fourth is freedom from fear, which translated into world terms 
means a worldwide reduction of armament to such a point and in such a thorough fashion that no nation will be in a position to commit an act of physical aggression against any neighbor anywhere in the world. This is the introduction to the book, The Fight for the Four Freedoms, What Made FDR and the Greatest Generation Truly Great. We need to remember. We need to remember what conservatives have never wanted us to remember and what liberals have all too often forgotten. We need to remember who we are. We need to remember that we are the children and grandchildren of the men and women who rescued the United States from economic destruction in the Great Depression and defended it against fascism and imperialism in the Second World War. We need to remember that we are the children and grandchildren of the men and women who not only saved the nation from economic ruin and political oblivion, but also turned it into the strongest and most prosperous country on earth. And most of all, we need to remember that we are the children and grandchildren of the men and women who accomplished all of that in the face of powerful, conservative, reactionary, and corporate opposition. That is no vision of a distant millennium. It is a definite basis for a kind of world attainable in our own time and generation. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's 
what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. Bills. 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 Oh, look at this. She's got a receipt in hip, 1957. Hey, Arch. Yeah. Anything new with the strike? It's getting older, that's what's new. It's the summer of 1974. 33 years since FDR gave his Four Freedoms speech. Uh, That's about as much time as has passed for you since Ronald Reagan left the White House. Inside CBS Television City in Los Angeles, the cast of the most-watched television show in America, All in the Family, taped their season premiere. Within months, the newly public domain Wonderful Life will begin to be played again and again by local stations across the country and catch fire. At least when this thing is over, you got a job to go back to. Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah, have you seen the latest unemployment figures? I'm looking at an unemployment figure right now. <laughs> Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm doing the best I can. I'm working. Oh, yeah. Gee, I forgot. You got a job, $22 a week. Ain't that great? And Gloria's working, too. And your mother-in-law's working, too. Between all three years, you're making enough money to keep us just a little behind. (laughs) It's such an incredible year for this film to drop. Jefferson Cowie again. He believes that turn from George Bailey's ethos to the one dominating your universe today takes place in the 1970s, and he pinpoints the year Wonderful Life began to resonate as particularly key, 1974. I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. If you think about everything that's going on, we've withdrawn from Vietnam, Watergate has happened, stagflation is, which is a combination of, you know, inflation and, and stagnant wages, uh, it, things are bad. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's one of the worst years. It is by far, I think, actually, the worst year since the end of World War II. And for this kind of hopeful, Capricorn-y kind of movie to emerge, makes sense. George Bailey is 38 years old during the final moments you ever witness of his life. That movie's happy ending. Events taking place Christmas Eve, 1945. The nation has just lost FDR a few months before, but George has the rest of his life ahead. Nearly 30 years later, in 1974, it's another man on your television who has become perhaps the most iconic of Georgia's greatest generation, Artie Bunker. This goes on for another week. I'm going to have to run down to the bank and take out a second mortgage on the house. Uh, Today's interest rates? Listen, the high interest rates will come down when the inflation comes down. And President Ford promised to bring down the inflation no matter what it costs. (laughs) 
the people in this country, Hodge? Ford promised, no more secrets, no more surprises. What does he do? He turns around and pardons Nixon. He done that under direct orders, buddy boy. From who? God. <laughs> Archie Bunker emerges on CBS in 1970 as part of this new show, All in the Family. And it actually begins with him railing against the civil rights movement, against the liberal preaching in the church, against all the topical issues of the late 60s and 1970s. And he is forced to live with Mike, his meathead son-in-law, who is trying to go to school to be a social worker or something like that. And this is all beyond Archie's frame of reference because he's a dock worker and he believes in, you know, good old-fashioned values. So essentially what America's watching in All in the Family is the beginning of the culture wars. And the opening riff of the theme song is all about nostalgia. Boy, the way Glenn Miller played. Songs that made the hit parade. Guys like us, we had it made. Those were the days. And to do when you were Mr. We could use a man like Herbert Hoover again. The invocation of Herbert Hoover obviously is supposed to harken back to an age before the New Deal. What people like Mr. Potter want is to turn back the clock on the New Deal, get back to the 1920s before all of that redistribution and regulation and stuff like that. Essentially, before the 1930s, you have an era of unregulated, greedy capitalism. And after, you have this sort of unregulated era of greedy capitalism. And in between, you have this fairly robust era of shared wealth that is unlike any other time in American history. And so the great disappointment of the GI generation is that they remembered being so close to their own parents. Neil Howe again. Right. Just like George Bailey was so close to his parents. They were so close to their own parents, but they were so distant from their own kids. Zozo, Zozo, my little ginger snap, how do you feel? Fine. You know, we were really busy today, too. And I like it that way, because when you're busy, the time goes by really fast. And before you know, it's time to come home. This is Gloria Stivic, Archie Bunker's daughter, played by Sally Struthers, the actor born just seven years after George Bailey's daughter, Zuzu. As often happens when children grow up, Gloria's relationship with her father, Archie, has become uh, complicated. Can we talk about something else but busy? What's the matter with you? I just don't want to talk about busy, that's all. Okay, sure. Uh, Daddy, what would you like to talk about? Anything, anything. You never want uh, to talk honey, about uh, anything honey, anymore. Honey, I think he's right. Why don't we talk about something else? Huh? Yeah, control your wife, eh? <laughs> <laughs> as extraordinary as this generation was civically, it was... A difficult generation to get along with in other respects. Going into Vietnam and, and managing Vietnam, and they did a terrible job of it. And they certainly did absolutely nothing to, um, to inspire the young to follow them. Utterly unlike the elders of the 1930s inspired the young GIs. And it led to this tremendous rift uh, between the two, an angry rift between these generations. So I think you would have said that that George Bailey's generation took Peter Bailey's vision 
and actually made it work on a, on a, on a nationwide scale, right? And you could say that boomers came along and, well, they saw that, you know, once you look at, 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 at what George Bailey's generation did, and now it's completely in place, you know, by the mid-1960s, you could say that boomers kind of took that and they kind of changed that. You know, there's, a, there's an inevitable uh, almost conversation <laughs> back and forth between generations as you go along. So what about the boomers? They got the, the hope, they got the, the resources, they got the money, they got the consumerism. Jefferson Cowie again. Then they went to college and realized they were oppressed. You know, maybe they weren't oppressed like the people in the 30s were, but they were repressed in terms of their latitude for emotional, psychic exploration, fulfillment, democracy, real democracy, not that kind of vote once every four years democracy, but a democratic culture. And that led to a search for a sort of liberation. I think the ultimate irony of what a lot of those people found, even though they expressed it collectively against the war or collectively against Jim Crow, is that it had this individualism at the core. It had this kind of somewhat toxic individualism that melded pretty readily with the free market thinking, the Milton Friedman logic. They were not just about New Deal, liberal, collective economic reasoning. We want to be free. And a lot of those boomers actually predicated their logic on the idea that much of that post-war structure would continue. And they got caught when it didn't. But I think you can see that kind of search for individual freedom, emancipation amongst the kind of progressive wing of the boomers melding quite readily with a kind of free market capitalism. And that synthesis creates what we call the yuppie in the 1980s. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. 
Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. Apple shares are just getting hammered this morning. Let's talk about the speed with which we are watching this market deteriorate. We're down over 16%. Dow at the same time has fallen about 18%. The stock market is now down 21%. Because we're now down 43%. What in the world is happening on Wall Street? It was the worst day on Wall Street since the crash of 1987. This is an extraordinary period for America's economy. Over the past few weeks, many Americans have felt anxiety about their finances and their future. Major financial institutions have teetered on the edge of collapse, and some have failed. As uncertainty has grown, many banks have restricted lending. Credit markets have frozen, and families and businesses have found it harder to borrow money. We are in the midst of a serious financial crisis. Our entire economy is in danger. We are jumping 34 years forward since Wonderful Life became embraced as your movie in 1974. The children of George Bailey's generation are no longer young adults, but have taken and held the reins of power from their greatest generation parents for a little over two decades. Their children, the millennials, are entering their young adulthoods, and a man-made crisis that will affect so many of them appears. My daughter was born in 2007, you know, so I was a young mom. Sarah Kenziar was born at the tail end of Generation X and the front end of the Millennials, a young working journalist when the Great Recession hits. And then we had another kid, but there was a point in 2015 where my husband had lost his job And, you know, one of my kids is in elementary school. The other one, I was basically taking care of while writing on the side, doing all of this, um, you know, freelance journalism, basically around his nap schedule. And so, you know, my husband was working two minimum wage jobs while trying to find a full-time job. And thankfully, he eventually did, but we didn't have health insurance. And it was just so hard. And the feeling of, like, we did everything right. You know, we really did. We did all the things you were supposed to do. You were supposed to go to college. You're supposed to work hard. You're supposed to be an honest person. And it just didn't matter for us. And at the same time this is happening, my friends were all unemployed or just doing side hustle economies. We knew no one at that point with a steady job. Have a hectic day? Oh, yeah. Another big red letter day for the Baileys. 
Daddy, the Browns next door have a new car. You should see it. Well, what's the matter with our car? Isn't it good enough for you? Yes, Daddy. When I watched It's a Wonderful Life and I see George Bailey, you know, as a family man, Hold, trying to hold himself together, but really trying to hold his family together. And and just the feeling of like, he's not just letting himself down or his own dreams die. He's destroying his children's dreams. And that's the thing that's unbearable for a parent. Because when you become a parent, you know, you become the secondary character in your own life. Like your children come first. I can deal with losing everything in my life. But I need my children to be okay. And I want them to have opportunity. Janie, go on. I told you to practice. Now go on, play. Oh, Daddy. <laughs> George, why must you torture the children? Why don't you? Mary. And she, you know, at one point just bursts into tears and is like, Daddy. And, you know, like she doesn't recognize him because she doesn't recognize him. And it's this very jarring moment, you know, I think for a child. When you realize, you know, your your parent is a human being and your parent is is suffering and struggling and you don't quite understand why. And, and this is one of the few movies that really showcases those feelings in such a, a raw and direct way. There are people that are leading quiet lives and trying to do the right thing and trying to, you know, take care of their families and, you know, work hard at their jobs and they're getting screwed over. I, I think it's very common. There still is a stigma, I think, to expressing pain about the situation. And soon, another man-made turn of events that will preoccupy the energies of the millennial generation for years. Despite nearly all national polls showing him behind before the voting started, Donald Trump is now president-elect Trump. After baby boomer Donald Trump, the landlord, is elected president, Many Gen Xers and Millennials are asking how exactly that happened. One answer they see is the baby boomers. Their vote goes 53% for Trump and only 45% against. Sarah Kenziar, who held a doctorate in anthropology from her studies on authoritarianism in Central Asian states, had predicted this outcome very early. Many begin to turn to her for answers after the election. You know, one thing that happens when a country is betrayed repeatedly, and we had this with the aftermath of 9-11, also the financial crisis, in 2008, um, and then they're waiting for accountability, they're waiting for somebody to stand up for them, and nobody does, and I think they start to side with power. You know, I have two choices. I could, you know, be steamrolled yet again, um, or, you know, if people are out to get me, if they're out to harm me, I'm going to be on the side that harms people because I'm going to be on the side with power and power is what will protect uh, me and my family. And there's a sense of like every man for himself. And that brings out the cruelty in people because they think like, what's the good of being kind or, um, you know, helping your neighbors or, or trying to be honest when the people who rise and succeed in life are almost uniformly uh, evil and they're flaunting their evil right in your face. The idea of the happy ending which that movie stands for and, and several other movies of that time and, and genre stand for. I don't see it today. I don't see audiences reacting to it. I don't see it as being plausible. And I think there's a loss. You're hearing Bruce Cannon Gibney, a venture capitalist. You might know one of his companies he invested in early, PayPal. Bruce is looking around America and noting how completely different many of its citizens seem from the ones who came together around George Bailey. He goes in search of what has caused that and so many of the problems plaguing the nation. 
And what does he find? Everything seems to lead back to Gloria Stivic's baby boomer generation. His book becomes a bestseller. He calls it a generation of sociopaths. It's an old movie in the sense the values and the society and uh, the arc that, that are embedded within the movie just aren't plausible in, in today's world in the way that they would have been in, in 46. You know, there were reasons to be cynical about the establishment, you know, the Vietnam War. It was a reckoning in a variety of ways. And so maybe the concept of heroism and community slowly died. But then sort of the response to that is, you know, you can either attempt to reclaim the values, you know, the sort of George Bailey-ish uh, wonderful life values, or you can embrace the sort of nihilistic, anti-hero, you know, let's get what's mine ethos. And at the end of the day, I think what happened with the boomers as they took over, you know, the vast small town of America and they decided that we were all anti-heroes and that, you know, sort of heroism was cheesy, corny, implausible, and which is an odd thing, right, for a generation that, you know, is so associated with the idealism of the 1960s. But if you dig into the statistics and you push past the the sort of self-serving branding about the 1960s, what you discover is, in fact, the idealism was never that widely shared. The angel sort of symbolizes this ability, right, of, of a force beyond ourselves to, like, step in and intervene, whether that be government or the church or, you know, one's community or one's family. Who knows? In our secular age, I think the closest thing that we have to an angel, like something that everyone likes and that operates in quasi-mysterious ways, may or may not be real, is Social Security and Medicare. So the median boomer dies in 2032. And not coincidentally, that's when Social Security basically keels over. A series of compromises and deals were made to keep it solvent for as long as the boomers were alive. And I want to emphasize, this is not a conspiracy theory. My whole theory about the boomers, which is that they've distorted the policies and the culture of the United States in ways that serve their immediate interests. When I started the book, what struck me in the mid-2010s was, you know, my entire professional career had been spent in some kind of boom, uh, some kind of bust, recession, recovery, what have you, from the dot-com crash slash 9-11 all the way forward. And that, and that continues, unfortunately, right to this day. You know, And, you know, growth was slow, wages has stagnated, the social fabric seemed to be sort of decohering. And I sort of wondered why that was the case. And having a finance background, my my immediate inclination was to figure out who had benefited from the policies that had so sort of distorted the markets in our society and had resulted in this series of sort of rolling catastrophes. And, you know, everything pointed back to the boomers. I looked at uh, median sort of household income and average household income over time. And then I started doing sort of cohort decomposition, just looking at who was making what and when. And it really struck me that there there was one group of people, however you sliced it, the one group that seemed to be doing pretty well was boomers. And then I thought, well, okay, you know, how can this be true? How can you get 70 million Americans to agree on anything? They really just did have the social cohesion around these age-linked programs to do it. And they kept electing themselves to office. So since the 1990s, you know, 92, well, technically January 93, we've had a boomer president. I think it's relatively clear that we're going to have one through 2028. If Congress is an outright majority, and in some cases, an outright supermajority were boomers. And so they, they really sort of controlled all the levers of power. And then they dominated, you know, sort of public discourse. They dominated the cultural discourse, and they were interesting for that reason. And we live in a world that they made. 
And unfortunately, we will continue living in that world. If you look at the things that the boomers have done, the things that have caused the United States to fracture and stagnate in, in so many ways, greed, a lack of planning for the future, a, a lack of empathy for others, they're all indicia of sociopathic behavior. The dominant theme for the boomers as a political generation, not, not as individuals, like they're not monsters necessarily on a day-to-day basis, but you know, as a political generation, they are sociopathic. They want what they want, regardless of the cost to others, or even sometimes to their own future. I'm taking you back a bit now, four years before the Great Recession, to 2004. You've been lazy, you've been nothing but trouble. Michael, Michael, yes, sir. You're fired. Trump, the landlord, takes on a new job as reality TV game show host for NBC the network that, as you know, holds the exclusive television license for Wonderful Life. What The Apprentice did, and this is true of other reality TV shows at the time, was use humiliation as a form of control and make it seem normal. Sarah again. So we're in the midst of this horrible recession, you know, the worst recession since the Great Depression. And people are getting off watching other people get fired on TV. And I think it's because it provided this sort of sick relief from their reality where they were being fired or people they knew were being fired. They could kind of watch like the quote villain, someone who was quote unquote deserving, get fired by Donald Trump. And maybe it felt cathartic to have the person being fired for once not be you. But I think it's the, the cruelty of these reality TV shows, you know, where there's always a loser who everybody's talking behind their back and voting against them. It, it, it's kind of like a like a middle school nightmare, but it brought Americans back into this mentality. I think our politics are reflective of it now, it's, you know, horse race kind of view of life, the way people quantify their social media accounts, where it's so important to just get attention. They view everything in terms of winning instead of, you know, having a meaningful exchange or whatnot. We are uh, taught to see ourselves as failures if we don't rise to the top in the system. We're taught to internalize systemic failures as our own, institutional failures as our own. And it's not our fault. And we're also taught to devalue, you know, the small acts of kindness and generosity that we display in our lives. We're taught that those don't mean as much as a paycheck. There were so many exit ramps off this Rodell and they decided to to not take them. And I think it, it goes beyond greed because that Crossing that bridge, you know, where Gordon Gecko was created, he was supposed to be the villain, and then all these yuppies embraced him as their hero, and they realized having a off-putting, obnoxious, cruel persona could be more beneficial than having a persona that, you know, maybe exemplified values you, you once wanted to live by. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, The CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. 
Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. Good evening. I'm here tonight to announce my intention to seek the Republican nomination for President of the United States. 1979. It's a matter of months since the New Yorker article about the Wonderful Life Party from Episode 1 has begun raising that movie's profile with all of you. And since Robin Williams taped his show's early take on the movie's premise, we're looking inside an office at Ronald Reagan, the actor, as he records what will prove a pivotal moment of history. Among his favorite movies, he often proclaims, is Wonderful Life. He is a member of the greatest generation. Ultimately, perhaps, it's most impactful. His philosophy will heavily influence the baby boomers. In the 34 years since the end of World War II, the federal government has cynically told us that high taxes on business will in some way solve the problem and allow the average taxpayer to pay less. Well, business is not a taxpayer. It is a tax collector. Business has to pass its tax burden on to the customer as part of the cost of doing business. You and I pay the taxes imposed on business every time we go to the store. Well, I want you to manage my affairs, run my properties. You wouldn't mind living in the nicest house in town? Buying your wife a lot of fine clothes, a couple of business trips to New York a year, maybe once in a while Europe. You wouldn't mind that, would you, George? Would I? 
Holy mackerel. I, w I wonder if it would be possible for you to give me 24 hours to think it over. Sure, sure, sure. You go on home and talk about it to your wife. I'd like to do that. Yeah, yes. then in the meantime, I'll draw up the papers. All right, sir. Okay, George. No, 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 wait a minute here. Wait a minute. I don't need 24 hours. I, I don't have to talk to anybody. I know right now, and the answer's no, no. Doggone it. You sit around here and you spin your little webs and you think the whole world revolves around you and your money. Well, it doesn't, Mr. Potter. In the, in the whole vast configuration of things, I'd say you were nothing but a scurvy little spider. George Bailey actually represented the mainstream flow of the, of the American business tradition. Potter is a pathological deviation from this all-American meme in which, yes, you can go out and make money and you can, you know, want to do well for yourself and for your company and for your employees, and you can do that without harming anyone in an egregious way. You remember Gary Camilla from an earlier episode, uh, the man who argued that Potter ultimately won. It's very attractive. Uh, the idea that you can be as greedy and, and ruthless as you want, and that's all for the greater good. Um, that's been a uh, that's been essentially the pitch of the Republican Party and, and its economic platform um, for uh, since Reagan. And uh, and it's been very it's, it's very effective for very obvious reasons. It allows you to literally have your cake and eat it, too. It's a brilliant move. <laughs> Dangerous, but brilliant. <laughs> I think the sense of the greed is good ethos. You know, it, it, there are certain big cultural markers that whole sort of Wall Street, Gordon Gecko era. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all of its forms. Greed for life, for money, for love, knowledge, has marked the upward surge of mankind. And Reagan, in many ways, uh, was an avatar of that. I, would, I guess if I had to point to one large cultural uh, move, it would probably be the age of Reagan. And uh, a, and a greater embrace under, in ca the case of Reagan, of explicitly gauzy Frank Capra-like story. I carry with me the memory of a Christmas Eve when my brother and I and our parents exchanged our modest gifts. There was no lighted tree as there had been on Christmases past. I remember watching my father open what he thought was a greeting from his employer. We all watched, and yes, we were hoping it was a bonus check. It was noticed that he no longer had a job. So I think to the degree that it's Mr. Potter's politics wrapped up in George Bailey's smile is probably not too far from the truth because there's not very many people, I think, who could have sold the policy messages that Reagan had besides Ronald Reagan. Jefferson Cowie. Reagan, you know, he has this kind of avuncular, aw shucks kind of persona. He's funny. 
He's approachable. You want to trust him. He was older and had been a New Deal Democrat, had been a union leader, and said that he didn't leave the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party left him. Obviously, that's just a cute line, but that's a seductive line. Like It gives people cover to shift their politics from Democratic to Republican. And he is the first guy to coin the phrase, or his campaign was, make America great again. That phrase is not Donald Trump's, it's Ronald Reagan's. For those who've abandoned hope, we'll restore hope and we'll welcome them into a great national crusade to make America great again. Well, the time has come. You've seen the map. We've looked at the figures and NBC News now makes its projection for the presidency. Reagan is our projected winner. I was too young to vote in 80, but at the time I, I didn't understand it. I was completely flummoxed by why anybody found Ronald Reagan attractive. But now when I teach it, I make them watch the whole inaugural address, the first inaugural, and it's excellent. <laughs> he just sticks the landing on that thing. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. And he basically says, who are the heroes in America? It's you. You're the hero. You all go to work every day and pay your taxes. You everyday Americans, the George Bailey's of the world, are the true heroes. That was a really appealing message. Wrapped up with some nostalgia about things gone past and, of course, his own references to his own B-movies from the 1950s made Reagan a very powerful political figure. So by 1980, came along, Reagan was the guy, and he was just so ready to lead the counter-revolution against the New Deal and even beating back conservatives like George Bush, who was busy tarring his supply-side economics, his voodoo economics, was able to win just really through the, a combination of kind of a patriarchal sternness and a kind of storytelling nice guy, right? Reagan, it was the greatest hijacker in American presidential history. I mean this. Harvey Kay again, with a characteristically strong take. He hijacked Thomas Paine in 1980 when he was running for president, where he shocked conservatives by quoting Thomas Paine in his acceptance speech of the Republican convention. It was brilliant. I will not accept the excuse that the federal government has grown so big and powerful that it is beyond the control of any president, any administration, or Congress. We are going to put an end to the notion that the American taxpayer exists to fund the federal government. The speech FDR gave, I think it's famous because for the closing line. To some generations, much is given. Of other generations, much is expected. This generation of Americans has a rendezvous with destiny. Which, by the way, fucking Reagan hijacked as a line. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. So I think the first thing you have to think about is it's not just progressive or conservative. It's the shift in liberalism and that liberalism in the immediate post-war era is really about stuff that uh, Archie Bunker cared about, which is about himself, you know, being able to have the, the pump primed with his wages so he could buy stuff. And so when Reagan comes along and says, I'm tall in the saddle, I'm the cowboy, follow me, America's great, that's their guy. And 
the irony of the whole thing for me is that it fuses with that individualist liberation strand of the new left generation as well. And that's where you see a kind of funny coalition, I think, is the blue jean conservatives, the bourgeois bohemians, the yuppies who adopt the lifestyle of the counterculture, but essentially are uh, investment and security bankers. I think a lot of people think of him as a father figure at the time. You know, I can make more money in one year as a broker than I could in five years at this airline. Thank you, Billy. Thanks. I don't get it, kid. You borrow money to go to NYU. The first year out, you make 35 grand. You made 50 grand last year, and you still can't pay off your loans. Where the hell does it all go? And 50K does not get you to first base in the Big Apple, not anymore. Earlier, you heard Gordon Gecko, played by Michael Douglas, the actor, espousing how greed is good in the 1987 movie Wall Street. Gecko is a potter for the 1980s, now on an epic scale, when he becomes a father figure of sorts to a baby boomer named Bud Fox, played by Charlie Sheen, the actor. Here Bud talks with his own dad, Carl, a union leader for his fellow airline workers, played by Martin Sheen, Charlie Sheen's real-life liberal father. Look, I got 40% in taxes, 15 grand for rent. I got school loans, car loans, food. Park my car, that's three bills a month. I need good suits, 400 bucks a pop. So come back home and live rent-free instead of that roach-infected place you're living in. $50,000, Jesus Christ, the whole world's off its rocker. You know, I made a total of $47,000 last year. That's before taxes. That's Queens, Dad. A 5% mortgage and you rent the top room. Look, I gotta live in Manhattan to be a player. There is no nobility in poverty anymore, Dad. One day you're going to be proud of me. You'll see. And frankly, the Democrats spend most of the 80s trying to figure out what hit them. You know, they're they're shell-shocked and, they, you know, do they need to do more old-school New Deal formula, new civil rights formula? They, they're lost. Um, and they, they really can't find their uh, footing. Clinton is kind of a neoliberal Democrat who uh, governs in the shadow of Ronald Reagan. I thought that you were going to turn Blue Star around, not upside down. You fucking used me. Well, you're walking around blind out of cane, pal. A fool and his money are lucky enough to get together in the first place. But why do you need to wreck this company? Because it's wreckable, all right? I took another look at it and I changed my mind. If these people lose their jobs, they got nowhere to go. My father has worked there for 24 years. I gave him my word. It's all about bucks, kid. The rest is conversation. So tell me, Gordon, when does it all end, huh? How many yachts can you water ski behind? How much is enough? It's not a question of enough, pal. It's a zero-sum game. Somebody wins, somebody loses. Money itself isn't lost or made. It's simply uh, transferred. Capitalism at its finest. How much is enough, Gordon? The richest 1% of this country owns half our country's wealth, $5 trillion. One-third of that comes from hard work. Two-thirds comes from an inheritance, interest on interest accumulating to widows and idiot sons. And what I do, stock and real estate speculation. It's bullshit. Now, you're not naive enough to think we're living in a democracy, are you, buddy? It's the free market, and you're part of it. The end of the 1980s, and President Reagan takes a bow. They called it the Reagan Revolution. Well, I'll accept that. But for me, it always seemed more like the great rediscovery, a rediscovery of our values and our common sense. 
We've done our part. And as I walk off into the city streets, a final word to the men and women of the Reagan revolution. My friends, we did it. George Bailey was never born. Visit SaveGeorgeBailey.com to join the mission. There you'll find links to works by this episode's participants. Learn more about how to celebrate George Bailey Day on Saturday, December 9th, and annually the second Saturday of December hereafter, by hosting your own Wonderful Life viewing party. Tell your friends to listen to this show, subscribe, like, comment, and post about it on social media. Hashtag SaveGeorgeBailey. Subscribe to our Patreon to hear uncut interviews and bonus content. Podcasts also available on YouTube. iHeartMedia presents a double asterisk iHeartMedia co-production in association with True Stories. Created, written, and directed by Joseph, Kurt Angfer, and Rayna Vyshelsky. Kurt Angfer, producer and supervising editor. Rayna Vyshelsky, producer and journalist. Elizabeth Marcus, editor. Roy Sillings, narrator. George Bailey theme song by Carolyn Sills. Buy her albums. Soundtrack composed by Zachary Walter. Buy his albums and the original soundtrack to this podcast available wherever you get your music. Mallory Kinoy, co-producer, writer's assistant, archival producer, and fact checker. John Autry, sound engineer, additional editing, sound design, and mix. Executive producers, Dave Cassidy, Kurt Angfer, Lindsay Hoffman and Beth Ann Macaluso for iHeartMedia, John Duffy for Double Asterisk, Ruth Vaca for True Stories, Rayno Vyshelsky for Double Asterisk and True Stories. Elizabeth Honkuch, Associate Producer. Brandon Lavoie and Ryan Pennington, Consulting Producers. Keith Sklar, Contract Legal. Peter Yazzie, Copyright and Fair Use Legal. Maddie Akers, Archival Specialist. Ron Kadish and Benji Michaels, Publicists. Kavya Santhanam and Marley Weaver, Marketing and Promotions. Art and Web Design by Aaron Kim. Interns were Kyra Gray, Emma Ramirez, Eva Stewart, and Taya Wilson. Podcast license for Philip Van Doren Stern's The Greatest Gift provided by The Greatest Gift Corporation. Their attorney is Kevin Koloff. Recorded at David Weber's Airtime Studios in Bloomington, Indiana. This episode featured, in chronological order, Harvey Kay, Jefferson Cowie, Neil Howe, Mark Harris, Sarah Kenzier, Bruce Cannon-Gibney, Gary Camilla, several American presidents, the cast of Wonderful Life, All in the Family, and Wall Street, and the brief voices, music, and artistry of news media professionals via clips used under the still-existing legal doctrine of fair use. The Potters are working on that one, though. The voice of the Hollywood News reporter was played by M.L. Rutledge, stating words not based on anything in particular, but drawn from never-found reporting on Frank Capra's high-profile visit to D.C. for pre-production on Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Some research for this episode was drawn from the work of Michael Willian for his book The Essential It's a Wonderful Life. Go to doubleasteriskmedia.com to hear our other limited-run podcasts, Who is Rich Blee? After the Uprising, with a bold new season in St. Louis coming summer 2024, and Origins, Birth of a Pandemic. And subscribe to True Stories New Weekly, Everybody Has a Podcast, with Ruth and Ray. If you are feeling like you're on the bridge, please call the AFSP's Suicide and Crisis Lifeline by dialing 988 into your phone or contact the Crisis Text Line by texting 741-741. Consider donating to or volunteering with AFSP or your local Habitat for Humanity and make George Bailey proud. We're not affiliated with them, though. Copyright 2023, double asterisk, Inc. 
Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. 